And I think that part of the appeal when kids come to camp here and whatnot is that they find a community of people that are so accepting of them and, and they just want to be a part of that. I just think that's kind of a wonderful thing. Welcome back to Winnie and Bill Chat. Today we are going to talk about Park of the Pines, the place where Winnie and I live and work. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we've been talking about doing an episode about Park of the Pines since we started doing our podcast. But um, I think it's a little intimidating. There's just so much to say and so much to explain that um, it's going to be difficult to get it all into one podcast. Uh, The way we usually do this is that I will post 10 photos to our Instagram account, Winnie or um, Quiet Shutter Photo. And um, we'll go through the photos and talk about what went into that picture, what's behind the backstory behind the picture or, or whatever thoughts it invokes. So um, we're going to do that today. But before we get started, I think we should explain a little bit about what Park of the Pines is. And it's a campground that is owned by the Community of Christ Um the campground is 100 years old this year. So um, youth camps and family camps and other activities have been happening on the grounds here at Park of the Pines, just outside of Boyne City, Michigan, for 100 years. Since 1920. The- I'm going to bring up our first picture here and uh, describe it. This is a very old picture. As a matter of fact, it's nearly a hundred year old picture. It's uh, um, in sepia tones and it's a picture of a group of people all lined up. Um, They're wearing, they're wearing dress up Sunday clothes, I would say. Looks like hot clothes. It looks like they might be hot and uncomfortable. Lots of them, women and men, are wearing hats. Um, this was taken at the very first, uh, gathering at Park of the Pines in 1921. The property was purchased in 1920 and the first, what they referred to as a reunion, which we now refer to as a family camp, which is camp for all ages, uh, took place in the summer. Actually, I have a date written down here. It was August 19th. And it lasted until the 29th of 1921. And um, the grounds when they were purchased were only 15 acres, but it's on Lake Charlevoix, just outside of Boyne City. It was uh, wooded and they cleared enough um, space to put up a large white, like a circus tent, to have um, services and meetings in and classes in. And everybody who came brought their own tent. There wasn't any trailers. And they brought their own food and everything they needed to be self-sufficient for 10 days. Wow. It's a long time to be doing your own thing. When we have family camp nowadays, it starts on a Friday and ends on a Friday. So it's uh, seven days, essentially eight days. And a lot of people think that's a long time. 
And we have a lot more amenities now than than they did then. Um, yeah, one of the big complaints we have around here this now is we don't have enough housing for everyone. Back then, they made it work. They brought their own. They brought their own. They they brought tents. I think a lot of them. A lot of times, they were old decommissioned army tents that would just be the canvas tent with no floor. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I remember staying in something like that when I was a kid myself, and I'm not that old. I can remember the smell of them. It's I, very distinct. That the canvas smell tent. of a canvas tent is very distinct. I almost feel like they smell like that brand new. Oh, I think they do. And it's just the canvas and the treatment they put on canvas. And then add a little mildew from storage in the attic or in the basement in the off season. All that good stuff. (laughs) B.O. In this picture to the left-hand side, you can see a little bit of the big tent. Um, They bought, actually owned and bought a big tent. Oh, well, I should say, um, and I found this to be kind of an interesting uh, bit of trivia. When they first bought the campgrounds um, in 1920, it was they bought 15 acres, which is uh, situated on Lake Charlevoix, which now is very, very coveted real estate. And uh, only a few people can really afford to buy property on such a beautiful lake. But Bill, take a guess at what the cost of the property was when they bought it in 1920. Wow. (laughs) Such a bargain. I think that is a bargain. Even 100 years ago, I think $600 for 15 acres on the lake was a pretty good bargain. But um, it was also wilderness. I mean, it was undeveloped, totally undeveloped property. So... Um, so they cleared enough in that from 1920 in order to have their reunion um, in 1921. They had to clear enough space that they could erect their big tent that they had purchased to have their meetings in, kind of picture tent revival type style, and enough space for people to set their tents up as well. Um, in this picture, this is a fascinating picture really to look at, and it takes some time to really study all the faces. I'm going to actually, as I'm looking at it, I'm going to zoom in because I find it all very, very interesting. They're, the children are situated in the front rows and they are wearing, the girls are wearing dresses, little dresses, and the boys are wearing button-up shirts. And some of the boys have little like newsboy hats on. Um, few of the people in the picture have wire-rimmed glasses they all look pretty much the same style, men and women, if they have glasses on. Um, it, you can tell they're wearing probably what was their Sunday best. Maybe right. this picture was even taken on the Sunday of camp. That's become the tradition lately, but I don't know if it was always that or or what. But um, one of the buildings here at the camp is, is our dining hall, and there are several pictures like this over the last 75 80 years not every year but there's several pictures like this of the groups who would come for this particular gathering and they would take a picture of the group and it's just fascinating to see uh how people progressed in in their attire and little amenities that came along the way it's pretty fascinating 
Yeah, that it is fascinating to look at the style of clothing and um just the photography itself is fascinating. I think these were taken with the old kind of cameras that had a had a film cartridge if you will that rotated as they went along the the rows of people in order to take the picture. Uh, early days of photography, really. Um in the background in this picture there is a sign that is nailed to a tree. And can you read it, Bill? Can you see what that says? It says... Quiet, please. Quietness, please. Quietness, please. So, and that was tacked up near their big tent. So I assume that they wanted quietness while they were having their their classes or their worship or whatever. Um, also, uh, to be noted, in this photograph, um, to the very far left, if you can see it, Bill... There is a person that is not participating in the group. She's sitting on a chair off to the side and not in the group. And I am told that that is your Uncle Gene's Aunt Ida. Ida. And Aunt Ida just died a few years ago, but she lived a pretty ripe old age. But she, she was at the very first family camp at Park of the Pines. She probably was the last surviving member of that group, I think. When she passed away, that was the end of that era. Yeah, I'm not sure how old she was, but I know she was over 100 years old. So, yeah, I would guess she was probably one of the last last of the original crew. It just, I also, when I look at this picture, and Bill mentioned that a lot of these old pictures from through the years hang in um, the dining hall that exists here today. Um, and there are all those nice, long, sepia tone pictures um, that hang in the dining hall. And, it, and it's fascinating to look at them all. Um, but I, my mind travels when I see them to what kind of her, a heroic effort must have been made to be able to get to Park of the Pines and to be able to manage to spend a week or longer here with no you know, modern amenities. They were using chamber pots and they were, you know, washing their clothes by hand in the lake if they needed to, if they washed them at all. Um, I see picture, I see people in this picture with babies. So you must have had diapers to contend with. And I, yeah, but it was, that was an everyday thing back then, too. That's true. I mean, unless you lived in a the city, there wasn't running water or anything until almost the 50s. I know my dad was born in, in 41, and I remember him saying that he was uh, going into high school when they got indoor plumbing. Wow. So, uh, wow. Yeah, we've come a long way in 100 years. I And... Yeah, a hundred years ago also, they obviously, they didn't have the internet. They didn't have television. I think they had radio. Um, so getting together like this and spending a period of time with, with people that you enjoyed mostly, their company, must have felt like such a big, exciting adventure. I know that um, your Uncle Gene does talk about when he was a very young boy and he remembers packing up and coming over to Park of the Pines from Pelston, Michigan. Is that where they live, Bill? Yes. And how it took a whole day to get here and they had to stop partway through and have a picnic lunch that they had packed. <laughs> yeah, and Pelston's half an hour from here. It's a half an hour away now. It's not, I mean, we don't even think about it. Right. 
Yeah, it, it, I just probably I can't even fathom what it was like to, but the people love to do this. Um, the reason that the campground even exists is that prior to um, people getting together in Michigan at Park of the Pines Campground, um, people would get together from all over the country who were members of what at that point in time was called the Reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they would get together twice a year for, in the beginning, it was for conducting business of the church. And then as the years passed, they realized that they really didn't need to meet twice a year to do that. They only needed to meet once. And yet the people really missed that gathering and so a second gathering started to continue to take place and then beca- became more regional just because people wanted to gather together and uh, learn and hang out and have social time together. So the tradition continued and uh, the community of Christ Church owns campgrounds all across North America and in other parts of the world. I know that um in England, we um, the church owns a place called Dunfield House, and I don't know exactly what all their facilities are, but um, they have our traditional type gatherings there. And also, I think they have all kinds of schools that come and meet and have some kind of like retreat gatherings there. And um, so people, I think it's just a testament to that people do enjoy spending time in community. Let's go to our next picture. Okay, our next picture. Our next picture is quite a contrast from the sepia-toned 100-year-old picture we were just looking at. This picture is in full color, but it's um, the same idea as the first one. This was the family camp that took place at Park of the Pines last summer. Um, So this picture is taken really in the same general area as the as the 100 year old picture but um facing the other direction and now you see a building in the background uh this building is a classroom building it's not the main meeting building um are you in this picture bill i don't think you are no i was probably collecting garbage yeah, and perhaps you were collecting garbage. We should uh, we should talk a little bit about that, I guess. As Bill and I both, uh, Bill grew up in Sheboygan, Michigan, and I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. And yet we um, met here at Park of the Pines as kids when we were um, campers at youth camps and at the family camp. My family, as long as I can remember, came to Park of the Pines for family camp every summer. And uh, I made a lot of friends and couldn't wait from one year to the next to get back. It was always a a big deal to to come to camp. Um, For us, my dad is a teacher. Um, We didn't get paid in the summertime, so we were always doing some kind of work, um, usually construction of some kind. Uh, So... When we got to come to camp and got to come to reunion, that was two weeks out of the summer where we got to do something other than work all day. So it was always something good to look forward to and always enjoyed um, getting to see friends that we hadn't seen for a, a long time. 
So in this picture, there is a variety. Again, all of the children or most of the children are sitting on the grass in the front row. And then there's a, a row of people who are sitting on chairs, some of them because they're elderly and out of uh, respect. Uh, we provide a place for them to to be during this picture that's a little more comfortable than the rest of the people who can stand and wait for the photographer, who in this case was me, um, to climb up a ladder and get everything set to get the picture just perfect. Let's All right. Go to our next picture. Our next picture. Oh, Bill asked me to include a picture of the chapel. So this is a picture of the chapel. Um, there are several buildings now at Park of the Pines, and um, they've been built at different times. Um, the first building to be built was what we refer to as the auditorium. It's the largest building. It's a fairly um, rustic building, uh, white clappered on the outside. The inside is not finished. It's open rafters and open um, walls, um, an unfinished hardwood floor. Um, big building with a big spance. It, um, you know, it's pretty rustic, but there's just something I love about that building. It was built two years after the purchase of the property so that they didn't have to meet in a big tent. They kept the big tent for a while though. And that's where uh, children's classes were held was in the big tent and the adults would be in the auditorium. Um then after that, they built a dining hall and a junior building. The junior building is the one that you will see when you see the picture of last year's family camp, the building behind the group of people. And that was built for um, classroom and still is classroom. Um, a rec hall was built in 1952. And that has a built-in fireplace and was just a good all-purpose building. Um, they needed more space for youth camps to have dormitories. And so in 1961, they added a building that is uh, built out of cement block and therefore has been called the block building as long as I can remember. Um, it's not a very glorious name and different people have tried to name it something else, but it seems to the block building just seems to stick. Yeah, it's always just been referred to as the block building. Yeah. The newest building on the property was built in 1985-86, and it's the lodge, referred to as the lodge. Um, and the lodge is has um, sleeping rooms, public bathrooms, and some meeting areas, as well as a nurse's station and an office. There was some public bathrooms that were built somewhere along the way, also uh, kind of a nasty little building built out of cement block. And when they built the lodge, they were able to demolition that. Do you remember the old bathrooms, Bill? Yeah, the old blue building. Yeah, it was so creepy kind of blue place. green. It was hideous. That is gone. So bad. Um, so the chapel, I think, was built in the 50s by one of the very active church members. His name was Walt Fritz. And there was a little sliver of property that was adjacent to Park of the Pines that was owned by a family whose last name was Anderson. And uh, the husband, Guy Anderson, was friends with Walt Fritz. And the two of them built this little chapel that sits on the edge of the property. And that is what this picture is. It's um, 
I don't know. How big do you think this building is, Bill? It's not very big. I would guess it's probably like, I think it's like 12 foot wide and 20 feet long. It's it's basically two little rooms that you could just go in and have some quiet space to sit and relax and maybe have a few thoughts. And uh, uh, it's not big. It's not a, a church by any means. It's just a quiet space for people to be it's able to a, meditate. And, yeah. The um the chapel has um church looking windows in it. They're pointed at the top and they have some kind of frosted or textured glass with some color in them, I think, in the windows, so that when you're inside, light comes in, but you don't really see inside. I think it's a building that's meant for, like Bill said, quiet reflection, um maybe small uh devotion type activities. It's a very sacred building on the grounds. And um, one thing that has surprised me since we've lived here and worked here is the number of people who have asked me, can I peek in the chapel? And I always think they want to peek in there because either they feel like they want some quiet devotional time or they have some memories of having a special time in the chapel. And, and they'll tell me that They've never been in there. They've been coming here all their life and never seen inside of the chapel. Yep, that happens. People were uh, afraid to go in there or were told not to go in there or who knows. But yeah, that happens. I think that probably generations before us treated the building with such sacredness that it it probably was off limits to children and and people probably felt like they weren't just at liberty to pop in and see what it's like. But that's not how they treat it now. No. I know that during the week that they have family camp, often the door is wide open and it's um, meant to be inviting for anybody who wants to go in and sit and have quiet time. Right. But this is sort of an iconic building to the campgrounds. It's uh, one of those buildings that just has a spot in people's hearts. Yeah, so let's move on to our next picture. All right, so I'm going to let you describe this next picture, Bill. So this next picture is actually a um, picture of two of the, the, well, the only two cabins that we have on the property. Um, little red painted uh, log cabins. Um the one in the foreground is actually what we consider what we call the large cabin or the big cabin. And the one further back is what we call the small cabin. Um, the cabins, Winnie had mentioned earlier, um, gentleman Guy Anderson and his family um, actually owned this part of the property. And Guy and uh, his daughter, uh, who he actually met a few times, um, Came, uh, she came, Florence was her name, um, came and told us the whole story behind the cabins and how they had built the cabins and um, actually cut wood off of this property as well to build the cabins. She actually helped her father peel the bark off the trees. And there's a building in behind these that you can't see, which actually was um, what we call the perk now. It's an old garage that we've converted into a coffee house. And um, that was her dad's workshop. Um, but uh, these are nice, just again, very basic 
um, buildings. Uh, they do have uh, running water and plumbing in them, so they're a little more, a uh, little better than a tent. They'll keep you dry. Um, but uh, the big cabin you see in the picture right here is probably. Oh, uh, you could actually you could easily stand in the door of the cabin and then throw a rock and hit the lake. So you're pretty close to the lake right there, and uh, just gorgeous place for sunsets. And you open the windows will open up. You can uh, stand in the doorway of the cabin and literally throw a rock and hit the lake. You're really quite close to the lake right there, and uh, just a great place to lay in bed and listen to the water. And uh, people really enjoy being able to stay in the cabins. So these two cabins are really sought after at Park of the Pines. People um, always want to be in line first to be able to get to stay in the cabins. Um, the cabins were built on what was is referred to as the Anderson property. I referred to that earlier that the Anderson family owned the adjacent property to um, Park of the Pines. And um, at some point, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson needed to retire and so they sold their up north property that had a um, house that they that they spent summers in, the garage that Bill referred to, and these two cabins that they would rent out. And so they put it on the market. And according to Florence Anderson Sales, the daughter of um, Mr. and Mrs. Anderson, who grew up spending her summers here, they put the property on um, on up for sale. Um, they didn't just offer it to um, Park of the Pines, to the church. They needed to get as much money with the sale as they could, as it was going to help fund their retirement. And the church was the only people who uh, who put a bid in on it. So the church bought the property, which is really our very good luck. Um, and even though it, they bought the property in 1920 uh, for $600 that was Park of the Pines in the beginning. The Anderson property um, cost, let's see, it was an extra nine acres, nine plus acres. Um, nine acres, yeah. And they bought it in 1963. And guess how much money they spent for that additional property, Bill? I'm going with $5,000. Actually, it was $24,000. And uh, Florence Anderson Sales, um, she passed away this past year, which made us very sad. But she, for many years, would her family would bring her up to this area um, every September, early September, for a little pilgrimage back to her um, stomping grounds from when she was a kid. And they would make an appointment to be able to come and stop by and wander around at Park of the Pines. So Bill and I had several occasions to spend an afternoon with Mrs. Anderson Sales, and she would tell us all kinds of stories about spending time here, living next door to Park of the Pines, and how much as a young girl she enjoyed when the church camps were happening because then she had people to go and spend time with and how much they enjoyed that. Um, her mother would actually go and work in the dining hall and bake pies that she would sell to the people who were camping at the on the grounds for the church activities. And um, 
She said that her mother, out of the whole family, her mother was the only one who became interested in the church and actually was baptized. So when they sold the property to um, the church and to Park of the Pines, um, they sold it for $24,000. And at closing, Mrs. Anderson uh, wrote a personal check for $1,000 as donation back to Park of the Pines. I just think that's the sweetest story. Pretty interesting. So our next picture, Bill. I love this picture. Um, this picture was just taken a few years ago. And it um, this is, what you'll see in the picture is a baptism. And uh, it's a, um, the minister who is doing the baptism is a young woman. She's a very good friend of mine. Her name is Ruthie. And she is baptizing a young lady who had been um, a camper of hers. Ruthie did, directed camps for many years and uh, continues to work on camp staffs. And uh, this was one of her campers. And I think the, the young gal lives locally. And Ruthie had the privilege of baptizing her at one of our family camps. Um, Bill and I, as you all know, love to take pictures and Although the week of family camp is very busy for Bill and I just to keep things running, um, one of my favorite parts is to take the camera down when they, when they have a service at the water for baptisms and to take pictures. And this particular day was a gorgeous day. The sun was shining. The lake was calm. And this young lady was so excited to become a member of the church and a member of the community, I think. And um, in this picture, she's just freshly been dunked. The water is still all over her face and running down. She has her eyes squeezed shut. She's the biggest smile on her face. Yeah, she she's a pretty sweet kid to begin with, but she was extremely uh, happy. And I think she was just feeling good. The picture makes me feel really proud of the organization that we belong to because number one, it's a woman minister. And um, number two, I don't know, just the joy of it and the openness to, to all people and, and accepting people where they're at. And, and the fact that um, I think when, when people, especially this young lady, in, in the community of Christ's faith, um, you are blessed as a baby, which is just meant to, to bring up a, a blessing and bring the community to help with raising of that child, um, you can't get baptized until you're at least eight years old um, so that it's more of a decision you're making on your own. And this gal in this picture is clearly older than eight years old. I'm not sure how old she is, a young teenager anyways. Um, and I think that part of the appeal when kids come to camp here and whatnot is that they find a community of people that are so accepting of them and, and they just want to be a part of that. I just think that's kind of a wonderful thing. Yeah. That's one of the things about our camps is that people um, from all walks of life, from very poor to fairly affluent people come together just to be kids and just to enjoy each other and just to let the rest of the world go by for a week and, and just try and be yourself. And we've seen a lot of people who um, might be on the fringes of 
um, what you would call normal life come here and just become somebody here that they wouldn't be able to enjoy somewhere else. This is the part. This is the part that I think made me very hesitant to try and do a podcast that describes Park of the Pines because it's so hard to put it in words. But I, Bill is is scratching the surface there a little bit of it. But like he said, that you know we have people who come and spend time here who are really affluent, and we have time people who come here who are are at the other end of that spectrum, you know. But when you're here at camp, whether it be a youth camp or whether it be a family camp, everybody seems pretty equal. You know, we're all eating the same food. We're all staying in the same place. We're all participating in the same activities. And it seems to be some kind of an equalizer and and everybody can find the best in each other. It's just, it's really hard to put words to it. So the next picture um, is one that's sort of near and dear to my heart. And the reason I've added it is because it's a picture of a bride and groom. And I wanted to um, include that church camps, be it family camp or youth camps, are not the only things that happen at Park of the Pines. Um, I think that probably since 1920, that Weddings have been happening at Park of the Pines. I wish we had better documentation of all of those things. We don't. No, we have is, no idea how many really weddings unfortunate. have been here. Um, but um, in this picture, um, it is actually my my little sister and her husband. Like This was three years ago, Bill? Four yeah, years ago? Three or four years Time ago. Time goes by fast. It does. But... Um, they had their wedding ceremony. Actually, they had had an official wedding in Canada where they live in Winnipeg, Manitoba. But they had their big wedding here at Park of the Pines. The wear a suit, wear a wedding dress, and have every your friends and family there. They had that here. Um, they got married on the beach, and it was a beautiful, hot, sunshiny day. Um, in this picture, they're... Um, on the lakeshore next to Rocky or Anukshuk that we talked about, I think, in a previous episode. Um, and they're having a little dance and uh, enjoying the sights. And uh, it that was just a beautiful day. Um, my husband, Bill and I, and also our son, Andy, um, took pictures that day of the wedding, which was kind of fun for us to do as, as a family. Um, but this is just one example of a wedding. There has been many weddings here. Actually, my son and his wife got married here. Um, a wedding at Park of the Pines can be extremely beautiful, very rustic, but really lovely. Yeah, it's a great place to have a wedding. Um, a lot of people will have um, weddings uh, on the beach and reception in what we call our auditorium. Uh, we've had um, weddings in the auditorium. We've had people rent tents and put up. So there's all kinds of things you can do for weddings here. That's right. I, yeah, I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen several little small weddings that have taken place. I remember seeing a, a wedding that took place outside of the chapel, facing using the chapel as the as the focal point. Um, they were afraid to go in. It was too small for them to go in. <laughs> But um, 
Yeah, I think what's nice about this also is that you can spread out and you can have the wedding on the beach and the dinner um, in the auditorium and kids can be running around playing outside and and um, whole family can camp here if they want. Yeah, there's places where people could spend the night and lots of picture opportunities right there. You don't have to go somewhere else. It's it's really a, a lovely pa- place, especially if you're looking for that outdoor or rustic style wedding. Right. I understand some people have had their honeymoons here too. That's a rumor. I that's yeah, they like those cabins. <laughs> yeah. The next picture is the picture of two people in a kayaking, kayaking away from the camera. Um, the paddles are in mid-motion but creating an X. And on the back of the life jacket in Sharpie marker, it says Park of the Pines. Yeah, one of the things that the uh, kids in camp have really enjoyed last, I think probably three or four years ago now, we actually purchased six kayaks. Uh, Tandem kayaks. That uh, Yeah, you can actually get three people in them. They're quite big and, and fairly heavy, but virtually impossible to tip over. They're really, really sturdy kayaks, and, and the campers and adults as well really have enjoyed doing this and and being able to take part uh in the on the lake if you're not even a swimmer like i don't like to swim all that much and i'm not very good at it but i love to go out in a kayak and thoroughly enjoy that so this this picture brings up the topic of youth camps and youth camps are one of the big uh important focuses at park of the pines we have three weeks each year that we have youth camps um, the youngest grade level is third grade through sixth grade, and that's called junior camp. Junior high camp is seventh grade through ninth grade. And then senior high is 10th grade through kids who have just graduated from high school. Um, I went to camp every year that I could. Actually, that's where Bill and I met, I believe, was at a youth camp. Um, yep. There are other, Park of the Pines or Community of Christ are not the only people who do youth camping and and summer church camp. It's it's a tradition in, uh, at least in North America, that goes back for a long ways. But, uh, you know, kids come to camp and they can be themselves, they can find themselves, they make new friends. Like we said earlier, uh, the campground seems to be that great equalizer where you really don't necessarily know who are the rich kids, who are the most popular kids at high school, or, you know, you come to camp. Our camps are fairly small in the scheme of things, maybe 50 kids, 60 kids. Um, and so you spend a week together and you really get to know each other. And by the end of the week, you don't want to go home. You just want it to continue forever. The fun and games and and hanging out with your friends and Having a group of adults that are totally focused and concerned with you and your well-being, and um, it's Tru- truly making lifelong friends. It's quite, absolutely quite fascinating. I I have a unofficial slogan for our camps, and that's that our camps change lives. And I truly believe that. I think um, kids who come to camp just have such wonderful experiences in building confidence and feeling good about themselves that they can go back out into the big world and back into the hard places 
that it is to find your your way in and know that they have that little tiny place, you know, in Boyne City, Michigan, where they know each summer they can go and be with their friends and feel good. And and a lot of times for kids, that sustains them through the difficult times through the rest of the year. Again, I don't have the best words to explain this, but I just think camp is such an important and wonderful thing. And and I think we do it pretty well. And we do it without horses or paintball, you know, right, or right. we do it with really the basic stuff. We we have a nice lake. We have uh, adequate um, facilities and we have a lot of creative minds who really care about each other. And, and I think those are the ingredients that make our camps really successful. The next picture here is... Um, one of the activities that most people love and and keep in their memory, and that is campfire. I I don't always love campfire. How do you feel about it, Bill? I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I really enjoyed it, but as an adult, not so much. It's just, um, I don't know, I guess I get tired by the end of the day anymore. This is a picture of a campfire taking place down at the lake um, at the campgrounds. The sun is setting. I think you might have a little glimpse of a moon or something in the sky up there. Maybe those are stars. Might be the first star, yeah. Um, there's a big cross that's erected out of some some tree, old trees. Um, there's a campfire going on, some old benches that are falling apart now. And um, everybody's standing up because they're singing some silly song that has all kinds of hand motions. And everybody's having a good time. I did love campfire when I was younger. That's for sure. And I think you're right. We're old farts now. <laughs> it's yeah. too late. But kids night. would, you know, they do little skits and sing I loved silly it when my kids were and... little too, when we enjoyed it as yeah. a family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be a family activity. That's for sure. And you know what? In July or August, by the time the sun is setting and it's dark enough to do campfire, it might be almost 10 o'clock at night in this picture. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, when you're a kid and you're camping and there's the smell of smoke and there's a fire and maybe you get to make s'mores at the end of campfire. And that is a pretty magical time. Sure. It's a, another one of those lifetime memories that uh, that uh, not everybody gets to enjoy, quite honestly. But Actually, I'm talking myself into loving campfire again. <laughs> <laughs> we should go have a campfire by ourselves tonight, Bill. Yeah, maybe. It's a beautiful night. So I can't say enough about youth camps. I, I, again, like I said, I don't have the right words to, you have to experience, I think, really going to a youth camp. And, and even as an adult, you can experience it by um, being on a camp staff. Our camps are different than a lot of camps because our camps are all run by volunteers, um, volunteer director, volunteer staff. And even though they're volunteers, they have to go through um, um, training and background checks uh, we do three different kinds of background checks and uh, training to work with kids to make sure that you're safe. You have to have um, references of um, people who've known you for for a period of time and people who maybe you've worked with when working with children so that we make sure that all of our staff is safe. But um, people generally really want to be on a camp staff. And I, I think maybe it's a little bit like reliving your camp years. Sometimes staff members never were able to attend a camp as a kid when when they were young. And so this is their way of experiencing it. But generally speaking, even though it's a long 
exhausting week, the staff get as much out of it as campers do? I think for some of the staff, I know when I was on staff, after I had been a camper and I'd been away from it for a while, when I came back to be on a staff, uh, it was just a way to give back. It was, uh, you know, it's a lot of times, like you had said, a lot of times it was a selfish feeling in that you get to be back at camp yourself and you get to be part of being here. But it's also a part of um, giving back and and knowing that um, helping kids to have this experience that you had uh, is something special. So other people from outside of uh, Community of Christ um, have discovered Park of the Pines over the years. For many years, we had a high school football uh, team that would come and have their football camp here. Um, We've had, I just, you know, all kinds of different groups who have come and rented the grounds for um, camps or retreats or leadership training type activities. Um, Bill and I have been working here. We've been coming here all of our lives, but we have been living and working here for five years, six years, going to start seven in August. And over that period of time, um, the local art um, cooperative collective and uh, the local artists have discovered Park of the Pines. And so um, every year they have a five day paint camp or art camp. Um, In this past year, we've started to have a year round um, art class that meets on Mondays. And, um, and it's really interesting when people from outside of the traditional activities that happen here come and you hear them expressing the same feelings about the grounds that, that they just feel so comfortable and at home here and that the place just has a special sort of peace about it and that they just love being here. They feel it's safe and what other things, Bill, have we heard heard the other groups, especially the artists, talking about? Oh, they just love the property. They love the lay of the land. I mean, the property is actually three terraces of land. It's actually an old lake dune, but um, the artists just love to be able to to uh, go down by the lake and paint, and they'll paint some of the buildings and um, you know some of when our daughter. Um, was in high school. She was dating a, a guy who was um, a football player. And the first time he came with our daughter to our Winnie's family reunion here that happens almost every year, um, he got here and he said, this is my camp. Yeah. And, and our daughter, Lawrence says, what do you mean? He goes, this is my camp. This is where I go to play. I play football here. This is my camp. So people who have nothing to do with community of Christ um, seem to, Claim it as their own, which is great. I, they um, get an attachment to it. Right, right. So the, this picture that we're looking at is one of the artists at art camp. And she's a plein air painter, which means painting, plain, painting outdoors. And she's painting a picture of the Anukshuk. Um, it's just really fun when the painters are here to walk around the grounds and stumble upon this artist or that artist stationed somewhere outdoors painting one of the scenes on the grounds and they just love the grounds they have fallen in love with it the way that the rest of us are in love with it um the first year they were here they were all eating their meals inside of the dining hall even though it was 80 degrees outside and we have a picnic pavilion 
that you can carry your tray of food out to the picnic pavilion and eat outdoors. And so I encouraged everyone, I really talked it up that it's the night, the best thing in the summer to eat al fresco and be outside and feel the breeze off the lake and have the view of the sun, you know, starting to head fall in the sky and just enjoy the whole experience. So finally, one night I convinced them all to go outside to eat. And when Bill and I went to join them, it was so funny. They were all sitting at the picnic tables in the pavilion, but all everybody was only sitting on one side of the picnic table so that they would all have a view of the lake while they ate. Yeah, I think that was the last day of uh, the first, what we call paint camp was here. And now every year, um, pretty much everybody eats out in the picnic pavilion, um, almost every meal. Even if it's raining, people just go out there and enjoy being outside. So our last picture that I've posted is a picture of the beach um, looking at Lake Charlevoix at sunset. And this is a very unique sunset because it was, I think a storm was coming in or a storm maybe had just was passing over. So the sky is actually quite cloudy, but there's just a little sliver of uh, open sky at the horizon and the sun is just setting. I managed to catch the sun right in that little sliver of open sky and it created a, a sunburst um, in the picture. So um, you see the lake. And you see the sky with its dark, ominous clouds, but you also see pink and purple and the sun and the sunburst and the sun reflecting on the trees. And I, I really love this picture. It just seems really beautiful to me. Yeah, one of the, one of the many great things about being here is um, where we're located on Lake Charlevoix has just some awesome sunsets. Um, it's kind of a sweet spot in the lake where we, if there's a sunset, we see it here and uh, it's far enough um, on the edge of the lake that you quite often will see um, if a storm's coming or if a storm has just left. Like I'm pretty sure this was taken right after we had had a, a storm and it was just kind of clearing out, um, which quite often we'll just get a little slice of 20 minutes of sunset. Let's get down there and take a picture. But it's always, Fun to do. This is a beautiful spot for sunsets. And it, I mean, if you really scrutinize the picture, our our shoreline is pretty rocky. We have a sandy beach area that needs maintenance every few years because the lake will try to reclaim the beach. Um, it's rustic. You know, we don't, everything isn't perfectly manicured at Park of the Pines. It's It's kept pretty rustic and pretty back to nature. Um, if you listen to last week's podcast, our son talked about how spending time in nature helps to reset your brain. And I think that applies to Park of the Pines and, and the activities that happen here, too. It's a, it's a getting back to nature, getting back to the basics and sort of resetting your brain to what's important. Um, what, Bill, are your... I, this is going to be so hard for us to talk about and put into words about Park of the Pines, but what would be, in a nutshell, say something about how you feel about the park. Oh, it's just, um, I guess one of the things that we, 
we're, we're about to get new signs here. And one of the things that we wanted to have on the sign is Park of the Pines, a place of peace. And, uh, you know, that can be a really corny statement, you know, overused sometimes. But um, I truly feel like when people come here and just have a chance to to um, relax um, and have... Um, just clear your mind is when he was saying just being able to uh, take in a little nature take a little uh, friendships make some new friends have some um, uh, just relaxing time to think that's that's Park of the Pines in a nutshell as far as I'm concerned it's just uh, a place to uh, have some good thoughts maybe dump some of your bad thoughts and uh, start over I, I'm glad you mentioned the sign, but you actually kind of stole what I was going to talk about. <laughs> but um, I, I can't. What I, whatever I say about Park of the Pines isn't going to be enough, and it doesn't seem fair that just Bill and I are on this podcast today talking about it because there are hundreds and hundreds of other people who probably could articulate what Park of the Pines means overall better than we are doing. But um, I'll try. And I, I think that Park of the Pines, a place of peace, even if it's a group of kids who are yelling and screaming and running around and playing capture the flag or having color wars or pulling pranks on each other, it's still a place of peace. It's a, pa- a place to to be yourself and, and enjoy other people and see the best in things and the best in people. And uh, this is is going to be a very unusual year for us um, because of COVID-19 and the pandemic. Um, a lot of our activities are not going to take place this summer. Um, and it's, it is a very sad thing for me. Uh, it'll mean a little bit uh, different summer for Bill and I. We'll be busy working and, and making upgrades to buildings and doing projects. But um, we won't be as busy helping camps run and whatnot, so it'll be different for us. But it'll be, um, it'll be a little bit sad to not, you know, see the people come in that we like to see and to have people to go and spend time with and have a meal with and and watch kids come in shy and homesick and and grow during the week in self confidence and make friends and not want to leave at the end of the week. I. It's just going to be a very different year and and, um, sad, a little sad for me. Um, One quick little story about a camper. um, A director got a call the day after camp was over one time from a parent and said, I'm really worried about, you know, little Joey or whoever it was that, you know, since he's been home from camp, he's just been moping around and he just seems so depressed and he's almost on, on the verge of tears, I feel like. And she said, kind of chuckled, and she said, that's pretty common after camp. Kids really have such a good time at camp that we call that the post-camp blues because they've had a whole week of lots of scheduled activities and lots of fun activities and lots of time to make really deep, lasting friends. And then you go home and it's over and you just feel so darn sad. You just wish real life could be like a camp at Park of the Pines all year long. Um, I'm I, Bill and I feel pretty lucky to, to live here and be here. It's hard work 
keeping up several old buildings and keeping things running smoothly. And there's always a toilet that needs to be unplugged or a refrigerator that's on the fritz or something that you have to take care of. But in the end, I think both Bill and I feel like it's all worth it for, you know, for that camper that comes and it changes their life. Yeah, we, uh, we are fortunate to be able to live here. Um, it, uh, it's like when he said, it's, it's hard work. Um, it's physical work. It's sometimes it's mental work. There's a little bit of everything. It pulls you in a million different directions, but, um, the people that come and go here are certainly the heartbeat of it all. And, uh, the reason why we really enjoy doing what we do here. So, um, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about Park of the Pines, I will add the link to our website, um, to our show notes for this week's podcast, and you can have a look. If you have um, a nonprofit group of some sort, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, youth uh, group at your church or something, and this is a place that you can rent and have a retreat or a camp or something like that. Um, all kinds of things that are uh, specifically to nonprofit type groups. It's not the kind of campground where you can just call up and reserve a spot and just camp for the night. It's, it's intended for group activities and events. Bill mentioned my personal family has had their family reunion here for over 20 years and just over a weekend we do it and that is also a really good time. Um, so I think that we've probably talked about Park of the Pines enough for tonight. We should sign off. Um, we want to thank Anchor Podcast Platform for having a place to create a free podcast. Anybody can do it. We can do it. You can do it. Um, so, so yeah, we'll thanks for tuning in and I hope you have a great day.